I am often asked by strangers, thankfully no one who I work with closely, of just like, do you think that your femininity kind of gets in the way of your career progression? And I'll say no, because it's got me in a number of great places because no one expects a, an effeminate, masculine presenting, non-binary person to be smart or to be powerful. So I use that to my advantage all the time. I'm constantly underestimated. So it's why I'm really great in politics and government relations because people don't expect me to know what I'm talking about. But I had to work really hard to be overly good at something yeah. because that transphobia is there. <laughs> I'm Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Jacob Thomas is a human rights activist and one of Australia's most prominent leaders in sexual orientation and gender identity. I invited Jacob to be a guest on the podcast so that they could help me unpack some of the many questions that I have about how employers, recruiters, and coaches can better support trans, gender diverse, and non-binary professionals. And Jacob did not disappoint. This is a much needed discussion that I hope all my listeners will be interested in for their personal and professional development. Some of the topics of our conversation include choosing pronouns, employers and organizations looking for quick wins on pink dollar, the recruitment of queer employees to reach diversity markers, issues of dress codes, conscious and unconscious bias, and Jacob's personal experience in changing their gender marker with their employer, and much, much more. Jacob and I are friends. So for the first 10 minutes or so, there's a bit of banter where at least twice I cried with laughter. So if you want to see us having fun and then discussing some serious issues, you can go to our YouTube channel where most of my podcast interviews are filmed and recorded and they're there. So you can join us in video format if you prefer. I will have a link in the show notes and on the podcast website for you. They have this effect on me, and I assume on many people as well. When I'm with Jacob, it makes me feel happy, energized, young, and I really enjoy spending time with them. Jacob's very impressive and complete bio is in the episode show notes or on the podcast website. But here's a little bit about them that you should know. Jacob is one of the most talented, hardworking, and influential people that I know. Considering it was my job at one stage to help select the most talented Australians for a very prestigious program for which I was the CEO, you can bet your bottom dollar that I know what I'm talking about. What impresses me about them is that every bit of their brain, their intellect, and their creativity is used for the betterment of society and the betterment of their community. There's a quote that I live by which I think describes Jacob very well. Adopt as your fundamental creed that you will equip yourself for life, not solely for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the whole community. This is John Monash, by the way, an Australian senior leader and hero. With that sentiment, they have been advising leaders around the world and in Australia, from royalty to CEOs, prime ministers and presidents. 
Jacob is the recipient of the Queen's Young Leader Award, recognizing their work on suicide prevention here in Australia. Jacob was previously the coordinator of the Commonwealth Youth Gender and Equality Network and has represented the network at international levels, such as the UN Women's Commission on Status of Women and the ECOSOC Youth Forum in New York. Jacob is close to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, and they support many of their causes. It's a lot. You should read the bio on the episode show notes. Uh, but here's an example of Jacob's work, you know, that really impresses me. In 2018, they were the program leader for the youth um, program of the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting in London. This means that Jacob helped put together the agenda and program for discussion, representing over 1 billion people around the world. Such an amazing responsibility. Not only they are a talented speaker and facilitator of meetings and discussions, but they're also a great writer. And I'm going to link below Jacob's recent um, publication, which is a chapter in the encyclopedia for the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Then there's Jacob, you know, day job. Um, as part of the Monash Warwick Alliance, it's an important alliance between two universities in two different continents coming together to collaborate on research and education. And they're also super creative, making the most gorgeous outfits for their friends and for themselves and finding time to produce and perform in shows here in Melbourne. A warning before we begin, we use our adult language at times, not a lot, but if you have little ones around you, you may want to put your headphones on now. Enjoy the chat. I hope it inspires you. It marks this podcast's one year anniversary and it's a really exciting time for us. There's a lot more great interviews to come. So remember to subscribe, to follow, sign up for the newsletter and keep in touch. Bye for now. Enjoy the chat. Hello. Hello. Big hug. I want to hug you. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Just so much. Oh, I miss human touch so much. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. When will we be able to hug again? Soon. Soon. You reckon? I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful. Yes. Let's do this. Let's How are you? Uh, I, I'm good, actually. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I'm, um, like I've moved house because I moved um, oh, like a month ago or so now, even a little bit longer, maybe five weeks. Um, I'm like living by myself for the first time, which is glorious. And it's just like, I, like you're in my sewing room at the moment, which is why I've got a <laughs> flag up to cover the, all the drag wigs and everything that's just up behind me. But we want um, to see the drag wigs. No, the lighting's not good. That's the only issue. <laughs> and okay. most of them are like, they're not styled. They're just like, I've done the show and then I've just gone. <laughs> I'm they're done not like Moira, Moira, uh, you know, Moira no. Roses. <laughs> they're, they're definitely not on the wall. They're not hug up. <laughs> they just, they don't care if they take on smoke. That's, that's where we're at. We're the, we're the absolute opposite of Moira Rose in all ways. <laughs> it's what it is. But um, yeah, except for my attitude towards life. So, you know, cute. Um, <laughs> No, it's just, it's glorious. Like, it's this beautiful, like, little warehouse-y kind of apartment, like, exposed pipes and everything, like, floorboards. 
Um, like I've built a kitchen island <laughs> that can now move around. So I've got like my pasta machines, like all of my beautiful pastel, pastiche bowls and everything. It's just the... Is it on Instagram? Should I, be, <laughs> should I be stalking you on Instagram to see? I'm surprised you don't stalk me more on Instagram. No, How do you? And if you'd like to stalk me on Instagram, Jacob James Thomas. <laughs> Great, recorded. I shall <laughs> add the handle so we can see your kitchen island. <laughs> but I mean, it's mostly just like, it's mostly just in the stories. So that's okay. it. So you have to like get through all the political crap and then oh. maybe you'll see some cute decor. <laughs> and that'd be about yeah. it. How are you though? How are things? I'm okay. I'm in my pink office, as you can see. Which we love. I, um, you know, I, we are both, I suppose, one of the, the lucky ones. You know, we have jobs. We mm -hmm. have... We have a place to stay. We are doing okay. We haven't been sick. Yep. Um, I'm going to the doctors today. I have been meaning to go for a while, but because I have something in my eye, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been bothering me. I have this every spring. You know, my, I have blepharitis, which is something that old women and newborns have in common. I don't know if you know this. It's too much information. No, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. My it's mum used so... to work in aged care. I've heard of this yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I am at that age. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the implication, but if you choose to take that on and personalize it, you're welcome to do so, Renata. You do you. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> oh, gosh. But it's bothering me too much. Usually I can manage it, but now it's just like I have sand in my left eye and I'm like, oh, I need to see someone. Yeah. But other than that, I'm so good here. I'm near the beach, so you know, I can at least walk and see ocean and water. Mm. But I'm starting I don't know, I'm starting now. It's been a while now. I miss people that I even don't like. That's how <laughs> <laughs> I miss I, drama. Like I that's kind of drama. what I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> I miss people, I miss drama, I miss um interaction and they are parts of my brain i had a, a podcast episode conversation with a lady who i met at monash by the way mm. and she was saying there are some things that you can do at work really well you know and it it's better done at work we should have been doing them at work mm. sorry at home Mm. They, you do them at home you can do them really well there are other things that it's really hard to get done at home yeah you know, ideation, collaboration, anything that uses your creativity and, yep. and it's teamwork and it's implementation work. It's really hard. Yeah, absolutely. So there are parts of my business that are just, you know, struggling to go forward. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that. I, I yeah. felt quite validated when um, that New York Times article came out. This is weeks ago now. Which but was talking about emotional muscular atrophy. So, oh. um, as someone who actually has muscular atrophy, which I only found out earlier this year, which makes more sense, which is why I've got a new exercise routine to focus on my core. So that's cute. Because <laughs> I'm in constant physical pain now and not just emotional, uh. like PTSD. But I need, <laughs> also, I need a blooper reel. <laughs> this is what we need. <laughs> But um, I knew was, this would be fun. I knew. You're welcome. You're so welcome. <laughs> um, I will flag. I do now have a meeting at one forty-five, but oh, we should be sweet. Should be sweet. Um, okay. Fuck it. It's fine. But it was interesting. Is just so like you know, in the same way that if you don't use your physical muscles, um, uh, 
you know, consistently, yeah. <laughs> um, then similarly with like your know, em, uh, emotional um, and brain-based kind of um, uh, interactions, you know, so things like you know, empathy and compassion, for example, um, like meaningful connection with people, um, you know, vulnerabilities, mm. all these, all these really, um, I think what we're trying to sort of understand a little bit more now is sort of like, you know, uh, core human behaviours um, and now, and it's almost essential human behaviours are kind of, people are quite worried about those because we're not quite sure what's going to go on. The big focus, I think this is in the article as well, was a concern around um, just that happening to children because they're not in school. Yeah. But we are now seeing this for adults who are missing their workplaces, who are missing their families, their communities, their meaningful connections. Um, however, it is that those are built for those people, assumably across multiple uh, platforms. But it is, yeah, kind of, I can appreciate I, that. And I, I know that why you love that article so much. Because <laughs> it validates me. <laughs> those are the muscles you've been working on all your life. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that gym, my friend, you have the, the you know, platinum membership yeah. to that gym. Oh, thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> don't know about the other gym. <laughs> don't worry, we're not even at a gym. Like, I'm literally just in my lounge room playing, like, Ring Fit on the Nintendo Switch, which I can say, like, this is not a paid promotion, but if anyone hates exercising but wants to, like, I'm just trying to focus on my flexibility and getting that back because I miss it because I can't dance and I can't do drag anywhere near as much except for on a Zoom screen. Uh-huh. Um, but um, it's just good to just sort of like, it's light, it's easy, it's not body shamey, which is so oh. nice. It like doesn't, it doesn't tell you that like, oh, you're fat, so, you know, fuck you. It's just, <laughs> just kind of nice and easy and it's gamified okay. and I'm very competitive, so it's great. So what is it again? Repeat. It's called Wait. The Ring Fit on the Nintendo Switch. I don't have a Nintendo Oh, got to get a Nintendo Switch, Renata. They're, I is love it, them. Is it going to be my COVID big purchase, you reckon? Yes. Because I, I bought a calming blanket early on. Oh, good choice. I had to return it. My husband absolutely hated it, and I bought the king size. I'm like, I'm not going to be under this thing by myself. You have, you have to join me. It was like 60 kilos worth of comedy. Like it was so huge. Oh. And I live in a three-story townhouse. So we had to get this huge box of a king-size blanket. <laughs> All the way up. Got it out of the box. I bought it baby pink. And yes. he's already said, what the hell? And then... <laughs> We both got under it, and it, a second later, he said, absolutely not. And I was hooked. I loved it. And I slept like a baby for 12 hours, oh. and it literally crushed my bones. I could not walk the next day. It was too heavy for just one person. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. That is. That's um. That's I not the kind so of strength training we're after. You no, know? you're <laughs> supposed. I read the instructions later. You're supposed to take it easy. You're supposed to like do ten minutes. But once I was down, like I had taken like a warm shower, I was in there, you know, with all my COVID anxiety back in April. <laughs> And then the next day I was sore. Yeah, so um (laughs) So you know, yeah, um 
Get a Switch. Get a Switch. Get a Switch. Go play some but Pokemon listen, or some Super Mario. Let me finish telling the story. I had to return the bloody thing and pay for it and pay. And it was so expensive. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> Who is Renata Benati? That's the question. This is it. Oh Just my God. She. This podcast is supposed to get me clients, not, you know, <laughs> scare them away. <laughs> it's fine. It shows that you're, you know, just as vulnerable as the uh, rest of us. And, you know, we're just, we're all just working through things. You know, know everybody's yeah. got their own imperfections. Me. Everyone's learning. It's yeah. just what it is. And I love to dance. I shall get my Nintendo. That will, that will be my COVID purchase. Mm. Good. There we go. Good. We stand. Good choice. We are here to talk about serious matters of job hunting mm. and career advancement mm. for queer people. Yeah, it's a, it's a journey. It is a journey, job hunting whilst queer. Yeah. Not, yep. I, I'm assuming not easy. I want to learn everything from you because <laughs> as a straight woman, I have not experienced anything yeah. like it. Yeah. But you know, I, I love to learn. I'm a terrible learner. I learn very slowly, as you know, with my pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm that's getting good. there. And that's good. There you go. You got yeah, this. I get there. I get there in the end. Yeah. yeah exactly. Hmm. I mean, it's like learning is, learning should be a journey. Yeah. You know? It's just Not like. ashamed of it. Exactly. Good. And nor should you be. I think it's like, you know, we, this is the thing, right? It's like something mm. on, um, we use pronouns as an example is, you know, you're, you're, there's so much going on, uh, you know, in our brains, right? Mm-hmm. You know, our brains are brilliant organs. They're phenomenal. I think my favorite sort of an assessment of a brain is either it's the smartest organ in the human body or it's the least smart because <laughs> either it's just sort of like, this is how the world works. This is how we're going to interpret it. And that's great. Or it's just so like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So do you know what? Let's just back pain. <laughs> just yeah. go throw that in there. You need me. <laughs> it's what mm-hmm. it is. But I think it's like, you know, you're processing literally millions of pieces of stimuli every second. Yeah. Um, and your brain's trying to make sense of things. And, you know, it's it, essentially, it's tried to already, I shouldn't use essential, but, you know, essentially <laughs> your brain's already worked out, you know, English, it's already worked out pronouns, it's already worked out associations between people and objects and, you know, nouns and verbs and adjectives and, you know, pronouns in this case as well. And, it's just, and so when you have to change the association, it takes time. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And I think, you know, to be accountable, you have to put the effort in. That's a yes. big thing about being an active ally yes. to any community is you have to constantly put the effort in. And, and I so also think we, you need to listen to it a lot. And what I love about what's happening these days is that it's, you can watch TV shows where people are talking with the right pronouns and you're listening to it over and over again. And it's wonderful to have that because then it's easier for me to learn and assimilate. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, cause that means it's not just on you. It's nice. Yeah. It's like, I, I take it as um, like, I learned French um, at the start of my university journey. Um, and I decided to take it up literally like a week and a half ago again. <laughs> and so reinstill it. And I was just like, oh, I'm kind of struggling with this. You know, I'm using Duolingo. But then I was like, why did it work so well the first time? And I was like, oh, because I was watching a lot of French movies. I was watching a lot of French cinema. Um, I was understanding, you know, the casualized approach to language, not just 
you know, uh, yes. for mal and everything as well. So it was kind of, it was better. And so I'm just like, I'm going to watch Amelie this weekend because it's easy. Oh, it's a lovely. gorgeous film. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, oh, I can actually watch it and appreciate it again. <laughs> and so oh, I'm going to send you a bunch of stuff to see. Like the Jihad Bahdier early movies are so wonderful. Oh, and great. do you like Le Bureau? I do, yeah. Oh, how wonderful is Le Bureau? Le Bureau and there's is a funny one that I love. Uh, I don't know that I can pronounce it properly because my French isn't good. It's 10%, these, these percent, these 10%. Uh, they are a bunch of um, percent. They are a bunch of agents for very famous uh, actors and singers and creatives in in Paris, and they get ten percent. So they're agents, and the, you have all these cameos of real superstars that come into the show. Yeah, it's awesome. It I think it's on Netflix. I watched it on SBS, of course, but I think. Pretty sure it was on SBS. I, I'm, and now it's on Netflix. You can see it on Netflix. Okay, great. There we go. I'll probably yeah. watch it on SBS. Oh, but awesome. that's phenomenal. That's great. Thank you. Appreciate the recommendation. Welcome. See, we're all learning. Yes. Um, so coming back, if we're going to go around about, coming back to uh, pronouns are important. Um, as you know, um, I've had a transgender client, uh, a client going through transition, Mm-hmm. I think that client uh, was instrumental in me kind of being hyper aware of opportunities for people to uh, be who they want to be. That client was very lucky that they were very successful mm. um, and very confident um, and had their own business. Whereas Others who are employed have to play by other games and rule books and yeah. go through selection panels and recruitment processes and, and um, checks, you know, checks, referrals. Mm-hmm. And I was reading, I don't know if you had a chance to look at my uh, research that I've been doing, you know, just things like doing referral checks if somebody has had a name change yeah. all of those things that can be so confusing and uh for the person coming in and for the employers as well so i'm always i know that you you have that empathy as well and you've uh counseled people on both sides and i want yeah. to start by asking you what are the most common issues um that job hunters would face yeah, it's uh, it's such it's, a diverse community. I don't even know that you have common issues, but you know, yeah. tell me. I mean, and thank you for acknowledging that. I think it's like yeah, I can speak from my um my experience and the experiences that have been documented. Um, but I want to make sure that anyone listening to this, which I hope is everyone, um, doesn't take this as like um a definitive list either. I think it's without it, with no particular order. There are definitely issues, as you've highlighted, there about um you know, uh, anything from like the recruitment process. Um, you know, do you have like an equity stance as an organization, for example, that I look at and just sort of go, okay, cool. I'm welcome there. Um, you know, do you actively promote, um, to your, uh, organization, for example, through, um, 
I'm using queer as an umbrella term here, but, you know, queer circles, for example, you know, do they, are you on the job hunt for us because we're good at the job or are you after us because we look like a diversity marker? Um, and we're, we're all very aware of that <laughs> these days, you know, it's, um, we can smell the pink dollar <laughs> from a mile away. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what the pink dollar is, that refers to, you know, um, a, uh, a profiteering, uh, financial and commercial profiteering off of um, the, the queer gays, if you will. So it's basically if it looks like um, queer people, predominantly gay white men, will buy your product, then, uh, you know, it's, it's a pink dollar. <laughs> it just sells in that particular okay. way. Um, and generally having, you know, queer people as queer as faces of businesses and products and everything as well indicates that, you know, we're queer friendly, but it's then the question for us is like, but what do you do to support our community? Because all we're doing is that most of us are quite poor, underemployed. <laughs> so why are we trying to buy your product? What's the point? So there's some interesting things with that. I think when it comes to, you know, um, uh, interview processes or anything like that, it's like, what do I wear? <laughs> you know, it's just like, for me, is like, I'm a, uh, like, I'm a non-binary person, but, you know, I have facial hair. Um, this is my voice. <laughs> so I, some people would probably call it masculine. I wouldn't, but yeah, some people might, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, I always think about of just like, do I dress, you know, do I dress, you know, fancy? Do I dress, you know, a bit what I would, you know, say queer, i.e. flamboyant or, you know, do I, do I wear my heels? Do I chuck my nails on? Yeah, do I go and drag? No, that's generally my big no. <laughs> but you know, that's where you draw the line. These brows are very hard to put down, Renata. <laughs> They're very hard to cover, and they take a good thirty minutes at least. <laughs> but it is, you know, these questions of you know when I go into an interview, uh, which I haven't done for a while now. But thankfully, I would say um, very well employed. By the way, very well employed. Thankfully, very, yeah. very much going to acknowledge that privilege, especially in these current times. Um, you know, it's just sort of like, am I going to get judged? You know, what is someone's um, unconscious bias towards me? What is what is the very conscious bias towards me? You know, what's going to be the go with that? Um, and you, then it's like when you're in the workforce, it's like I know for me, I do. Um, I didn't have to, but I chose to. Um, change my gender marker with work. So I had an M gender marker for male. I want to change it to an X. Um, but at that time, my uh, employer didn't have a process in place. It was very arduous. It was, um, and because so many employees were dependent on state legislation or sometimes federal legislation as well here in Australia, Victoria more specifically and so there was no like good process if you will there was no opportunity for what we refer to as self-determination or self-affirmation i.e I know who I am I just want to recognize that on a document instead um, only until last year did trans people and gender diverse people have to be you know diagnosed with being gender euphoric uh, gender dysphoric um we had to you know, have referral letters from gps from you know uh, social workers or endocrinologists we had to have been medically transitioning for like six months minimum i think it was don't quote me on that but it was so expensive and so long a process um, under the assumption that you were a permanent worker and not just on like a 12 week casual contract or like a 12 month fixed term contract, you know, it's a lot of effort to go through to yes. then take all that, take, go through all of that, then go to births, deaths and marriages, 
get a document changed over to then hand to your employer. So it was a really arduous process. I refused to do any of it because for me, I have what we would call socially transitioned. I don't want to... Um, or need to, for that matter. All trans people and gender diverse people have very different experiences. Um, you know, I'm very comfortable in my body. Not all of us hate our bodies. We're not born into the wrong bodies. So that's a good myth to kind of bust. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was just like, you know, I just, these are my pronouns. This is how I'm going to, I'll dress like this every now and again. You know, I'm going to dress how I'm comfortable, whatever. Um, but I'm here to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a capitalist society, so I need to work. <laughs> so <laughs> I love my job. So here's how it's yeah. going to roll. And we worked together. We were, I worked directly with our HR teams and worked on a new process that was not dependent on legislation but can still refer to it comfortably. Um, it didn't supersede anything, it was, but was just to make our lives a lot easier. And that's available to other employees as well? All employees now. Yes. Yeah. Is we that something that you know other organisations have also adopted? It was interesting when we were going through this process, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn with my employer, um, is you know, it, was, it was such an unknown space for so many of us. Yes. Um, and I know for myself, I try and I've learned through my many, many, I think nearly over a decade now of years of advocacy um, is that, you know, I need to make sure that I was bringing the institution on side with this, you know, because mm-hmm. um, as painful as it can be, sometimes you do win more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. <laughs> so yeah. I want to be nice because, um, you know, please still employ me. But, um, you know, there was that moment of saying yeah, we wanted um, a reference. You know, was there someone else already doing this? And it was quite hard to find um, comparable documents or comparable processes that were specific to um, a comparable institution, an industry that was within the state, let alone within the country, um, that we could refer to and build off of and maybe improve for ourselves, contextualise it. But, you know, I ended up pulling stuff from, I think it was even like Chile, from um, uh, the United States, from Canada, from the UK, some stuff from New Zealand. Um, and I think there was, I'm fairly sure there was a Pacifica country that they pulled from as well. And just so I went, look, here's how other people are doing this within their own, you know, mm-hmm. legislation, within their own allowances. This is what they've done. And I was really glad that my uh, employer w- chose to be ambitious yeah. and chose to be really brave. And just so I went, yeah, cool. Like, let's change it. Absolutely. And so we kind of just moved through it, made it really easy, got it adopted. And I think it took maybe... The hard work probably took about three months, but was years of instilling and changing and bringing people on board and, you know, just getting an understanding of why does this matter? <laughs> you know, yeah. if we're, if the, um, you know, for our population, if you just want to look at demographic, yeah. we're a very small percentage of Australian population when we identify, that's mm-hmm. always going to be a little bit off. So, you know, the case against would be sort of like, well, there's not that many of you, so why put in the effort? And so, um, not that my employer put that forward. I do just want to make sure that's very yes. clear. But um, it, yeah, we hear that. It's just like, yeah. oh, it's such a small population, why bother? And it's a thing of just like, well, we might be a small population now, but are we any less significant? Mm-hmm. You know, I still deserve the respect and the autonomy over my body and my life. Um, and also, I think this is a big thing for employers to keep in mind is that you're lucky to have us, you know, because we're not just, again, we're not just diversity markers, but we come from phenomenal backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, 
not everyone again we're all individuals and we happen to be in a shared community but i think this is the important part to disrupt another myth is that we're all struggling we're we're not you know some of us are doing incredibly well not everyone is um especially in a time like covid we're Mm -hmm. definitely a community that has um lost a lot of our connection and opportunity like a lot of other comparable communities and then the intersections that come with that too but it is you know we we've got conversations going on now where we just saw this week in australia that numerous sporting codes finally changed their rules around trans inclusion it's great because they're just like we want the best athletes so that's great, you know. They're at no competitive advantage because of, you know, body parts or anything like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're good because they're trained, <laughs> you know. Like right. I'm good at my work because I'm trained in it and yeah. I happen to be non-binary. It can mm. be both things. And yeah. so, you know, it, this is the kind, there's so much systemic change, emotional change, um, personal change that we need to do as humans as well. Um, you know, I think anything that's tough is worth doing. Yes. At the end of the day. Um, I w- if I had a rule book for everyone to adopt, yeah. I would give it to you straight away, but I don't. But if you want help, reach out. Yes. I guess, you know, we're all, I feel like um, every f- every day it seems, but every few months things go leaps and bounds. Don't you feel like it's uh, our understanding? But it also the range of um, responses and and levels of education that people have out there is very varied you know you might have for example an organization or a a broker let's say a recruitment agency that's Mm. very comfortable with non-binary people with people going through transition because of their own personal experience because they have friends that have you know they have vicariously learned through their social interactions with others or because of their own whatever they they know and then you go through another experience it's traumatic because it's a very conservative organization or it's a very conservative recruitment agency so it it's almost like you really as a candidate wouldn't know what you would get absolutely um, and it, and also because um and this is just me sort of guessing and i you know if you do this i know i'm in the right track um when i was um doing my research to help my client uh, back then, that was last year, I did a lot of research in the U- with the US stuff because in, in Australia it was none. And um, I found that with us being more open, a lot of older guys were transitioning mm. from, you know, um, uh, in, from very conservative professions, legal profession right in their 40s and 50s that have now decided okay this is this has never been who i am yeah Yeah. and i want to be who i am from now on and um that is something that i think is i'd love to help and i'd love to understand how we can help you know as, as somebody who enjoys doing career change and career coaching and job um hunting with clients mm. that's tough mate that's yeah. easy <laughs> no it's not i think too is to sort of jump on that point but there, there are people just just to say there are people in america that are doing that specializing yes. in helping people advance their careers during transition 
Absolutely. Mm. And, and is, it's, um, we, we have to do what we call code switching a lot um, as queer people um, more broadly. Is, and that can be anything from, like, you know, uh, gay bisexual men, for example, who are cisgender, who might be campy or a bit effeminate. They have to, they have to quote, unquote, mask up at work. Because there was a great couple of studies that came out from the UK, I think a few years ago now, that showed indicatively that um, effeminate men and, you know, more masculine butch queer women don't get promoted because they're not seen as leaders. They're not seen as traditional leaders because they don't have that, um, you know, they're too this or they're not enough mm-hmm. of that. And so, you know, there's, it's kind of, I don't want to just single out, you know, the T and the NB within the acronym, but um, it is it is a tough thing. Is like, you know, I know that I have felt the pressure for a number of years, and you know, I've been in, you know, UN spaces, Commonwealth spaces. I've worked with a bunch of presidents and prime ministers um, all over You've the world. Met the Queen. I've received a Human Rights Award from Her Majesty the Queen. That's exactly it. Good friends with Harry and Meghan. Um, I like to say, I don't think we're that close of friends, but I like to say. There's a photo of you and Meghan on your LinkedIn profile. I've seen that photo before and she's looking at you with such love. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're um, very much on the same uh, yeah. uh, track with uh, yeah. gender equality and the likes as well. Yeah. So yeah, she's a good egg. Um, I mean, it, I was really lucky to, just a quick sidebar, really lucky in 2018 to work with a bunch of other young people who um, we met with um, Harry and Meghan at the Commonwealth Youth Forum, which I was the uh, programs officer for um, on the International Task Force. And um, we were able to get them to confirm their support for LGBTIQ people. Um, I will say just LGBT is the Commonwealth terminology, which is a bit different to what we would use here in Australia typically. Um, Context is everything with language, (laughs) always. Um, But, you know, um, we got them to confirm that they supported it and it went everywhere. So now if you Google Jacob Thomas and Prince Harry, the Harper's Bazaar article comes up, the People magazine article comes up. Um, yeah, the Associated Press looked after us. It was unheard of. It was unprecedented. And still, and still. And still. Day I, to day, you know. Day to day. It's still, it's still a really big struggle. You yeah. know, I know that I still try and, because um, this is the thing, is like I think you know, for me, because I work with gender so much in my academic work and my professional work, um, and so many people don't think gender is a thing <laughs> necessarily or it's, a, or it's an issue that we need to work around. I don't think gender's bad. I don't think anyone's, uh, I don't think anyone should be saying anyway that gender's bad, let's get rid of gender, mirror. But I think what we're trying to understand is the associations that socialise us into these quite policed expectations sometimes. Mm. You know, it's just like I, I have no issue with masculinity. I think masculinity is kind of attractive sometimes. But then I think also it can be a little bit terrifying. But then, you know, I feel the same about femininity. I feel about the same thing about like, you know, um, an agendered gender as well, where it's just sort of like, you know, if it affects, this is the thing, if it's affecting our behaviour to make people uncomfortable and to feel intimidated and to feel, you know, shamed and to feel unloved and unwelcomed in spaces, then I'm going to have an issue with it. Is it gender's fault? No, because I want people to have personal accountability to things. But Mm -hmm. is there something that sits around us that kind of informs what is considered, you know, correct? And I say that in quotations to be a correct approach. 
I am often asked by strangers, thankfully no one who I work with closely, of just like, do you think that your femininity kind of gets in the way of your career progression? And I'll say no, because it's got me in a number of great places because no one expects a, an effeminate, masculine-presenting, non-binary person to be smart or to be powerful. So I use that to my advantage all the time. I'm constantly underestimated. So it's why I'm really great in politics and government relations, because people don't expect me to know what I'm talking about. But I had to work really hard to be overly good at something yeah. because that transphobia is there. <laughs> It is constantly there. You know, if I, you know, I'm using, you know, the non-binary pride flag as my background on this Zoom call at the moment because I want to be really clear about things. Is like, this is, this is a really important part of the community that I care about. Mm -hmm. And so if you want me to bring my whole self to work, I'm going to bring my whole self to work. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be, I'm going to be a bit facetious here, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to just be like talking about like anal sex in the tea room, you know, and just being so like, look at this great circuit party I went to on the weekend. Yes. Queen work, clack, clack, clack. You know, it's just like, yeah, I just need some basic things of just, I know, dignity and respect. That's it. And if you expect us to, uh, here's a big gripe for me. I think I'm going on a slight tangent, but I think this is still really important is it's just like, you know, I just, again, I just want to be there to work. That's it. If you are only pulling me into meetings, again, this hasn't happened for a while, thankfully, but um, it stays with me. I'm very hesitant to work with some people because there's the expectation that I will be the queer in charge mm. <laughs> and that anything queer will just come to me and I'll just handle it and I'll yeah. just know it. That is an incredible unnecessarily unfairly high responsibility to put on someone and we see this with people of color in a lot of organizations that are white dominant we see this with a lot of indigenous folk yes. who are in a lot of um uh, well, name an industry you know yeah. to speak on behalf of people this is in women's orgs we see this in you know uh, even places like men's sheds and everything as well you know there's it sits everywhere yes. and so to sort of thrust someone who is probably very smart, very across their industry, but is then also trying to navigate a systemic oppression or, in, or systemic oppressions, plural, um, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone because you're not yes. actually focusing on community care. You're not looking after them necessarily either. Yes. You're just saying, hey, you probably deal with this every day, so go. <laughs> go deal with the trauma. And you mentioned, you know, it's not happening to you as much. It's because you've been with the same organization for quite some time now as well. And I, you know, with people that are job hunting, if they get into an organization and if that pink money was used and it's tokenistic, then there could be that expectation that they, they will be, you know. Yeah. And I think um, it's hard too is that so many of us are, like I'm not a great example with this because I'm employed and I'm permanently employed. Yeah. Um, so many people who are non-binary, trans, queer more broadly also have a lot of deep intersections with poverty that have deep intersections with mental ill health um you know various other disabilities as well so you know the opportunity to be full-time employed might not actually be practical it might also mean that you know it's we don't have full employment or even you know good employment for quality but also a lot of people there's um some interesting stats that are kind of coming out here and there i can't attribute one at the moment so i do apologize but um uh, that shows that queer people across the board are generally underemployed, mm. um, which we're seeing with university graduates as well. You know, we're seeing this with a number of different populations. Yes. Um, we're underemployed or unemployed. Mm. 
because mm. we're not getting hired for jobs um, because we're, you know, just sort of like, yeah, cool. Like, you know, you can work in this retail job, but I'll only give you like one or two days a week. Mm. And that's kind of it. Um, but I'll put you out the back. Yeah. You know, um, or yeah, like it's cool if you want to work here, but if you, but we're just going to give you a role that no one has to really interact with you because we don't want to be known for that. Like that's some of the, those are some of the things that, you know, yeah. trans and non-binary people have been told is that if we can't see you, then it's fine. What, you know, when I, you mentioned in Indigenous um, professionals and I, I remember when I worked really closely with a big accounting firm to get more Indigenous graduates into that organization. And once it was so hard, it was so hard. Once we did that, then a few months later, they were having all sorts of problems with um, those young associates asking for extended leave if somebody, let's say, passed away in their community, they needed to go away for a long period of time. Yeah. And it's almost like they just expected people to just fit in. Um, and it, it's just not possible for them. It, there are expectations that they need to meet as a member of their community that they need to be um, at the funeral for, I think, weeks, I think it was. And so we had to do extra work. I wasn't there to help them through that, uh, but they had to do extra work with HR to then do some workarounds to see how they were going to do that. And it can be done, you know, where you worked and I used to work there as well. You can reorg reshuffle your leave. I've done that many times when I was at Monash where I would buy out extra time so I could have more time with my kids, things like that. But it was just something that they had to do. Um, I'm thinking of this for reasons of health, you mm. know, and, and um, need to take time off either for surgery or for adoption or for, surrogacy or whatever yeah. um and that not really be being built into ebas or yeah insurances or anything yeah no you're bang on it's um it's uh we, like we're, we're saying i think it goes back to an earlier point is that we are saying we are saying some leaps and bounds right didn't um, you go to canberra to talk about this with some folks Probably. Yeah, I remember <laughs> you mentioned that. <laughs> I know I do. I do a lot of things. I talk trans all the time. You know, it's just what I do. Yeah. I'm just um, I'm just multilingual. You know, it's great. Yeah. I've got English, French, and trans. That's <laughs> what it is. But I think um, you know, the we we do have some issues with this. Absolutely, around you know, um, uh, I guess workplace attitudes and workplace cultures. I think we have forgotten that workplaces are systems that are human made. And so they can be readapted. You know, when I'm working with workplaces um, or if I'm mentoring, which I do quite a bit at the moment, um, yeah, and have done for years, is that I always try and say to, you know, whether it's my clients or my colleagues or friends or strangers on the street is, you know, you can adapt the system. That's perfectly fine. You know, and you've got to sort of think about, you know, how you're trying to frame that because when we put things in of just like oh we want to be inclusive it's just like well you know why do you want to be inclusive because you could just make that your standard that could just be mm -hmm. it because everyone needs healthcare access for example and for a person who might be um, affirming their gender for example through uh, medical or surgical processes um, yeah cool like the recovery times differ <laughs> depending on who you are as a person but, you know people get sick 
people can get sick for a long period of time and they deserve to have that security from their workplace mm -hmm. to know that they can return. We see um, issues with people who are pregnant who, you know, come back and they don't have a job mm -hmm. or their job's been reduced. Oh, you know? yes. Yeah. So I think there's, I think there's you know, ways in which it's not just about making your workplace inclusive for my community, but if you can make that transition, no pun intended, to being more flexible and adaptable as a workplace, then do so. It should be a thing that's there. I think we're scared sometimes that, you know, if something is accessible and open and available um, where your employees don't have to think, you know, oh, can I afford to do this? Can I not afford to do this? Is, is my job secure? Is it not? Um, which is a thing that we're all experiencing all the time, COVID or not, <laughs> you know, just where we're trying to, you know, we're worried about these things. Where's the, where's the commitment, I guess, mm -hmm. from our workplace and from our employer? And, you know, I know for myself is that, you know, I'm mentally ill as well. And so, you know, if I have... I'm very open about this. It's just like, you know, if I have a breakdown, um, I have to take leave because I'm in recovery. Um, it's only happened a few times in my life, thankfully. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen anytime again soon. Um, but, you know, it's like I, there are sometimes, you know, I have to take a month off work, I think was the longest one because I was so unwell. Mm. Um, and it was just, it was just so wild to sort of process it because they said yes and that was totally fine. I had a lot of leave banked up. That was totally cool. But it was so interesting to then extend that to people who have invisible disabilities, who might be in chronic pain, for example, or who have chronic fatigue, or who have a myriad of other, you know, um, disabilities that we're not focusing on. And it's just like, well, the workplace isn't flexible for them. I appreciate that I'm trusted. I appreciate that we're getting mental health a little bit more understood. But the standard, as far as I'm concerned, should be that people get sick, people need healthcare access, mm -hmm. they deserve to be able to do that and not have to worry about their job at yeah. the same time. You know, I should be comfortably assured that I'll come back and be okay in that point. Jacob, for organisations that are like, you know, a large percentage of Australians' businesses, small, medium-sized organizations that mm. want to do the right thing, mm. but they don't know how. They don't have the tools. They don't have the knowledge. They don't, you know, they, they just need a little bit of help. Are there, is there support for those employers that want to hire, um, you know, queer professionals that want to support their staff? Is there a place that they can go? I would say so, yeah. I don't think we've got, um, like, we've definitely got some specialist, you know, small organisations that can do that. We've got mm -hmm. some larger peak body organisations here in Victoria. There are others throughout different parts of Australia um, who can help with that. You know, my, mm -hmm. you know, you might get charged a consultancy fee. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know yeah. what the uh, <laughs> what yeah. the allowance actually is. But um, absolutely, you know, we have we have advocacy organisations who deeply care about this. You know, okay. I know Transgender Victoria are a brilliant organisation. I strongly recommend them. Um, and they're adaptive. They're brilliant. Like, they're the peak body for trans representation here in Victoria. Mm -hmm. um, I, can't, I can't talk more highly of them. <laughs> so, and if, and if they can't assist, then, you know, because they're busy, <laughs> like mm -hmm. all of us, in advocacy, then they might be able to refer someone else, you know. Okay. Um, 
I'm just sort of pointing out uh, TGV in this case, just because, you know, for the, <laughs> just to give this podcast some longevity as well, is that they're probably the ones who they've been around, I think, for I think two decades now. They've been around for a long time. And But, other um, states would yeah. have similar um, organizations. Yeah. Like yeah. I know New South Wales has ACON, for example, who predominantly focus on health, but are doing a lot of other um, intersecting work across of quite a few different industries. So, right. you know, yes, these are peak bodies. They might not be the best fit for you. But um, for anyone who is an SME um, or a small, medium business, I would say it's just shop around. Mm. shop around um as you would for you know a, a consultant for anything else mm. you know yeah. um like that's okay it's okay yeah. i don't think you know it's, we're not all one size fits all and that's okay mm. um and just be but what i will say is just a word of advice is also be really smart about things like make sure you're not getting gouged by people who are trying to represent us who don't actually represent us well mm -hmm. <laughs> um or who only chuck us in as like a 30 30 like second to maybe 30 minute <laughs> piece at the end of like a larger queer inclusion training you know mm -hmm. um or reach out to me i'm more than happy just to chat to you about yeah. stuff if you've got questions I, i pretty much answer any question that comes my way on linkedin or on instagram so you know more than happy to help out if i can and direct wonderful. you wonderful you're wonderful do you have any last thoughts or tips and advice for the currently unemployed listeners uh, i wish i wish i had something that was just going to turn your life around and just say we'll just do this and we'll magically fix it i think you know being Let me say this. Being unemployed sucks. Like, it really sucks. I've been unemployed. You know, yeah. I've experienced houselessness. I've experienced, you know, um, extreme poverty in my youth. Um, I say that as someone who, you know, was homeless for a period of time during university. Um, or houseless, I should say, not homeless. But, um, you know, like, this is the hard thing is that we're so dependent on work to feel validated. Um, and we're so dependent on, you know, having income to survive. Um, and I just want to let you know that it's not your fault if you're not getting employed. First and foremost, it's not your fault. You know, we're in a, we're in a recession. We're in a really, really tough time at the moment. And as I don't think this is calming for anyone necessarily, but I want you to make sure that you're giving yourself the perspective that you deserve, that it's not just you. It's not a reflection on who you are as a person, your qualities and your talents. You know, we're in a really, really difficult time. Yes, things are changing for those of us within our communities as well. And things are slowly building forward and slowly building forward. But, you know, again, it doesn't, the bars are low the bars are so incredibly low so often. So I want anyone who's trying to be an active ally for our community at the moment, not to assume it's done either. Like if you can recognize, if you can make the commitment, I guess, after listening to this podcast for your business or for working with your employers even and advocating from within to be able to say, hey, we actually probably need to like work this out, like maybe post COVID once we're, you know, kind of in recovery and everything as well to be able to say, we actually need to strategize and work on a priority system, work on the priority system, do that, like work with our peak bodies, work with our partners um, and our community representatives to build active strategies. We don't know if we can always trust you and we don't know if it's actually worth our time or if we're going to be supported, if we're going to be able to, you know, take that extended leave if we need it, um, if we're going to be safe within your organization either. So mm -hmm. do the work, do the work for us. So it's not just us, you yes. know, wasting our time and, you know, 
hoping that it's not just transphobia this time, that we just weren't lucky enough to get in. So, you know, there's two parts. There's two really distinct parts. For the unemployed, it's not just you. I want you to keep persisting if you've got the energy. And for those of you in industry, I really want you to change that system for us because we're tired <laughs> and we deserve to, you know, come and make your workplace as phenomenal as it can be. So keep mm. us in mind. Wonderful. Thank you so much, my friend. So welcome. <laughs> Great having you on the podcast. Always a pleasure. There we go. Was that it? Because that was like, that felt very quick. That was it. That's it. Unless you want That's to keep great. on going. We can I mean, you've got, me for, you've got me for another <laughs> little bit if you want. Like, it's totally fine. Yeah, probably good too. I hope you found this episode useful and that it helps your job hunting and career plans. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on social media and on your favorite podcast app. And please join the Reset Your Career community so I can send you free tools and resources to make your career advancement more successful. See you next time.